Um, good morning, church. Thank you. <laughs> um, I hope you've liked our youth service so far. Um, yeah. I like it. I think the wheel should become a permanent fixture, and I think Rennes flute playing should also become a permanent fixture. That was very good. Um, so thank you for letting me come up and share a message with you today. Um, we're gonna start this with like a little exercise, not like physical exercise, just a mental one. Um, so I'm gonna ask everyone to think back over the past weekend, or even the full week if you want a larger area to go by. And I want you to think of what actions did you take this weekend? What actions did you take out of frustration? What actions did you take out of anger or stress? And now I want you to think of what actions you took out of love this weekend. In the Old Testament, the word love is mentioned 319 times. And in the New Testament, it's mentioned 232 times. So over this past weekend or full week, how many times did you love? First Peter 4 verse 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, for love covers over a multitude of sins. And at risk of offending anyone, I'm going to say this very gently, I feel that as Christians we've lost love is our central focus. And this morning, my goal is to change that as much as I can. And hopefully the Holy Spirit will help me and work in your hearts. Um, so when I was writing the sermon, I wrote like four of them, because I kept finding verses I liked, and then basing a sermon around that, and then finding like another verse. And there's a lot of verses in the Bible, guys. I could, I could do this regularly if anyone wants me to. Um, <laughs> so on Wednesday morning, I was sure I'd written a solid message and I was like, this is good, Sam, you're not rewriting this again. And then Wednesday night, I saw Pope Francis had released a TED Talk, and I was like, oh, this is really good, I wanna talk about this. And then I rewrote it completely, and then I promised myself I would not change it. I changed it 10 minutes before this service, a little bit again. So like, um, that's how we're going. But the title of his TED Talk, which I encourage you to watch at any time if you feel like it, it's only 17 minutes long, and it's, everything I hope to say here, but like with the wisdom of an old Italian man. <laughs> um, so I'd like to carry a message from that over to you. The title of his TED Talk is Why the Only Future Worth Building Includes Everyone. And it was from the main group of TED Talks called The Future You. And the message he started with that I want to carry over, I'll reference it quite a few times throughout this, is first and foremost, I would love it if this meeting could help to remind us that we all need each other. None of us is an island an autonomous and independent I, separated from the other. And we can only build the future by standing together, including everyone. So picture this church congregation, the physical building or just the people, as an island, distant from the mainland, cut off from the rest of the world. And the missionaries that we support, that are on the bulletin board, that we pray for and provide for, as little smaller islands around our big island, like the Bahamas or like the Florida Keys. Um, I don't actually know what those look like on a map. I hope I'm doing well. Um, the missionaries around the world aren't as big as our island, but we're connected to them, but we're cut off from the rest of the mainland. And God did not call us to be cut off. God did not call Christians to distance themselves completely from the rest of the world. I know the Bible says don't um, unequally yoke yourselves, but if we completely distance ourselves from 
the secular population, the people who aren't Christians. There's no way to extend God's love to them to reach out that olive branch. God did not call us to have selective compassion, selective mercy, or to have forgiveness only when our terms and conditions are met. Lord knows we don't do that for God's terms and conditions, and he still loves us. Um, God called us to love. So to again quote Pope Francis, even the harsh judgment I hold in my heart against my brother or my sister, the open wound that was never cured, the offense that was never forgiven, the rancor that is only going to hurt me, all are instances of a fight I carry within me, a flare deep in my heart that needs to be extinguished before it goes up in flames, leaving only ashes behind. I don't know if you've heard the quote that anger does more damage to the vessel in which it is stored than on which it is poured. And to go back again to my main verse and my favorite verse in the entire Bible, 1 Peter 4, verse 8, love others deeply, for love covers over a multitude of sins. And we're now going to go to, you can follow along in your Bible if you want, you don't have to. <laughs> I don't know if I should say you should have to. But Luke 6, 27 to 36. So starting at verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not hold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if someone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment in the full, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. I'm gonna get water real fast, sorry. So the main verse in that is Luke 6, 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So a few weeks ago, I passed a church in the city, and on their sign, read, Offering an Introduction to Islam, a beginner's course. And I thought, wow, that's a great idea. Not that this church was in any way hoping to convert its Christian population to Muslims. It was in hopes to convert its population into a more understanding, loving, and respectful con congregation. To quote religious scholar Karen Armstrong, I've become acutely aware of the centrality of compassion in all the major world faiths. Every single one of them has evolved their own version of what's been called the golden rule. The golden rule for Christianity is do to others as you would have them do to you. And in the Quran it says, O who believe, enter absolutely into peace. Do not follow in the footsteps of Satan. He is an outright enemy to you. And another verse says, and do good to parents, kinsfolk, orphans, the poor, the neighbor who is near to you, the neighbor who is strange, the companion by your side. The Torah says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your kinsfolk. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It's in Leviticus 19, 28, that I said. And in Hinduism it says, 
One should never do that to another which one regards as injurious to one's own self. This, in brief, is the rule of dharma. Other behavior is due to selfish desires. Rabbi Hillel, who's the older contemporary of Jesus, was asked to sum up the whole of Jesus of uh, Jewish teaching when he stood on one leg. And he said, that which is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the Torah. Everything else is only commentary. And to sum that up, it is basically what our golden rule is. Do to others as you would do to you. That's the most important. Everything else follows after. So I feel like we have a choice as a group of Christians here and a group of Christians across the world that we can either go on bringing out love first and foremost, as I feel like a lot of us do and as we should, or we can lead with other things. We can lead with condemning people. We can lead with, you only be saved if you do this. And when we, I know this especially from working at kids camps, um, from VBS or Silver Bay, the first thing you do when we talk to kids about the salvation messages, Jesus did this because he loved you. He died for you because he loved you. God sent his son, not to con condemn the world, but to save the world. And if that's how we lead kids to faith, I think that's how we can lead anyone to faith. So, the church is not an island. Every day you will interact with people who believe different things than you do. If our interactions do not stem from a place of love, from God and for God, then what do they stem from? What is the opposite of God? And in Matthew 7, 16, it says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The Bible again and again talks about trees and it's like always in a metaphorical sense. If a tree is mentioned in the Bible, it's never just a tree, which is, uh, took a while to figure out. <laughs> And we love because God first loved us. We can give to others freely what we freely received from him. To love is not hard, and tenderness is just as radical as a logical mind. So the tree metaphor, most of the time in the Bible, means a good tree has good fruit. A good person will have good deeds, good actions. And James 2, 14 to 17 says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And to quote uh, Fortune 500 entrepreneur Adam Rifkin, he said, you don't have to be Mother Teresa or Gandhi to be a giver. You just have to find small ways to add large value to other people's lives. And that could be anything. Love is not passive. To love, to care, they are actions, they are verbs. And we can do this through patience. By having patience, we express love to others by treating them as an individual, as priceless, not just an aid or an obstacle to some goal. Small acts of kindness can powerfully express love, too. Even if you're just the middleman connecting two people, two friends you think would get along, that's an act of love. You're looking out for someone's well-being, a way to improve their life. Even just listening to someone when they need someone sympathetic to be there for them. Love can be empathy. And love is delight in others' success, too. You can be very happy for your friend who's done something great, when you love someone, it'll, it's going to alleviate that jealousy. We're all on our own unique path. 
and love is humility and love is kindness. So good intentions, to again quote, um, I'm just gonna quote Pope Francis quite a lot, um, to quote him again, good intentions and conventional formulas so often used to appease our conscience are not enough. Let us help each other, all together, to remember that the other is not a statistic or a number. The other has a face. The you is always a real presence, a person to take care of. The church has come through in so many occasions. The church, like in the announcements, has the Love Stonewall event. Um, the church supports missionaries around the world. Um, support Silver Bay, they do quite a lot. And when I was up here a couple weeks ago and I asked for help for Nova House, the church came through very wholeheartedly for that. I'd like to say thank you. I haven't got to say thank you yet. Um, and I hope that that is how we will continue to live our everyday lives. Jesus, in Romans 13, verse 8 and 9, talks about how, or 8, 9, and 10, talks about how love fulfills the law. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, can all be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And we also talked about Isaiah 1, verse, or Isaiah 1 and 17. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Jesus once said the best thing or the greatest thing you can do for a friend is lay down your life for them. I'm not expecting all of you to go and take a bullet for like a stranger or anyone in this room. You can if you would like to. I am not saying go do that. Um, but I feel like when I talk about love, everyone is like, I do that. I love people all the time. I love my immediate friends, my family, the people who I get along with, but I don't think we readily love the people that don't see eye to eye with us all the time. And if we do, I feel like it comes from a place of, I'm here to fix you. And like what Devin said earlier, when him and Josky were wearing inmate costumes, which we didn't rehearse, by the way, <laughs> um, that there are people different than us. and. There was a risk I, coming up on this stage, might come across as a hypocrite for being involved in organizations that aren't in line exactly with what the main part of the church believes. But if I come from a ministry of love and I come into the Rainbow Society and working with LGBT homelessness for the youth that are at risk there and I come from a place of love, that's not hypocritical. Matthew 7 says, do not judge for, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be used to measure you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. If love is truly the fulfillment of the law, then I believe that's what we should go back to first. And love does not have to be the love that like you see on Valentine's Day. I'm reminded of this every year when like half of my friend group and like half of my school is really bitter, like in February for no reason. I'm just like, oh right, they're gonna be alone on the 14th. Okay. Um, 
but I feel like that's because we don't see love in any wider of a sense. Love, like I said before, can be anything that adds any value to someone else's life. And as a church, I feel like that's one of our callings, to win souls to Christ, to help in any way we can. And I'm going to quote Karen Armstrong again, the religious scholar, and she said in a speech, C.S. Lewis, he wrote one thing that stuck in my mind ever since I read it when I was a schoolgirl. It's in his book, The Four Loves. He said that he distinguished between erotic love when two people gaze spellbound into each other's eyes, and then he compared it to friendship when two people stand side by side, as it were, shoulder to shoulder, with their eyes fixed on a common goal. We don't have to fall in love with each other, but we can become friends. We can work together to a common goal that in so many world face is the golden rule, to love others as ourselves, to not hurt others as we'd wish to not be hurt. And I ask you, as the church, as Christians, as yourself, to not feel like you're an island, to not feel that we are separate from the rest of the world, and to branch out in a way you normally wouldn't. I don't know how many of you regularly volunteer or regularly help out with with events like Love Stonewall. That might be a good first step. It might be a good first step to pop by the drop-in center in Stonewall to see if they need help with anything. Your strengths are needed in the kingdom of God everywhere. Everyone has different strengths. Not everyone is a camp counselor. Not everyone is a youth leader. Not everyone's a pastor. There are so many jobs even within this church. People who volunteer to do literally everything is so helpful. And there are a lot of organizations in desperate need of not even financial aid, just people who have time to give. Asylum Mission is one of them. Nova House, who I love dearly, is one of them. Manitoba Interfaith Immigration Council. They bring in refugees of all different backgrounds, faith, and one of the biggest things they need is people just to practice English with the incoming refugees or people just familiar with, like, Manitoba as a general place to help them come in. I'm sure you've heard on the news all the refugees crossing in from the States by Emerson. They're in dire need. And I feel like if we come from a place of love, as Christians, as people, there'll be less pushback. I know Christians don't have the greatest relationship with LGBT organizations or um, some more liberal organizations, but if we come from a place of love, we will still win souls to Christ. If you come from a place of love, it's so much harder for people to push back when they know you are concerned for them and you are there to help them. So that's what I challenge us as people to do. Thank you very much.